Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 120th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, Cameron. We just had a milestone on YouTube. Ah, I was going to bring that up. Were you going to bring it up right now? Yeah. I beat you to it. Yeah. Great minds think alike. I would agree. Let's hear it. 100 subscribers. Oh, yeah. On YouTube. Thank you very much for supporting us on YouTube. If you are a audio only, we still love you. Uh, you can be audio only and still just if, go ahead and subscribe. If you want to, if you want to support us on YouTube, go right ahead. We appreciate it. We'll be at two hundred before you know it. We'll be at two thousand before we know it. <laughs> before we know yeah. it, I'm putting it out there into the world. <laughs> All right, speak it, into exi- speak it into existence. Yeah, yeah. If you want to double dip and listen to us and then watch us, if you want to just watch it with the volume turned down so we get watch time it's all appreciated not expected but appreciated so yeah shout out to all the youtube viewers kyle you wanna uh, i hope the timestamps were helpful i don't know we didn't get any feedback either way i gotta say if i'm watching youtube videos i love timestamps yeah i skip around in videos and stuff so i feel like most people do so hopefully that helps even on the even on the audio version, um, Kyle, we got a lot to talk about as per usual around here. Um, Missouri lost to Georgia, but then we had signing day. We got Mississippi State coming up to close out the season, and of course, monumental basketball victory over Illinois, and even more basketball after that. But we'll start with the Georgia game. Mm. Just get it out of the way. Let's get out of the way. Missouri didn't look good. Uh, they looked good for like seven minutes of actual gameplay, mm-hmm. and the rest was not good. And all all seven of those minutes were like together. Yes. And then seven consecutive minutes where they was like, "Well, they, we've got something here." Yeah, and not like seven minutes of game time, like seven minutes of like actual real life time. <laughs> real life time. <laughs> uh, Georgia won forty nine to fourteen. Uh, there's really nothing. There was, we'll, t- we'll, we'll really have to dwell on that seven-minute stretch, but there's not a whole lot to talk about with this one. Um, right off the bat, Connor like throws an interception. Not really his fault. Kind of a, just a weird play where if he th- makes a little bit worse throw, the ball just sails out of bounds. Mm-hmm. But it was just good enough for the intended receiver to get a hand on it, and then it yeah. ended up falling right to the Georgia defender yeah it would have had to been a perfect throw and yeah tipped ball so yeah it was not great all around but maybe yeah. not the best idea to to attempt that pass but I can't blame him completely for that interception so Georgia got a short field they immediately basically immediately scored a touchdown uh, then they scored again to go up 14-0 but Missouri did answer with their only really good sustained drive of the day, uh, an eight-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. Um, then a little bit later, Missouri blocked a punt. This was actually right after they should have recovered a muff pump, muffed punt, but uh, couldn't get it. Didn't really matter. Georgia then punted anyway on their possession, but Missouri blocked it, got mm. the ball at the one-yard line. Shout out Mason Pack. Uh, went to high school with him. A couple years younger than me. Making a big play. Mm-hmm. Uh, setting him up at the one-yard line. Larry Roundtree punched it in. 
all of a sudden we're tied at 14. It's not a Mizzou game without a Larry Roundtree touchdown at this point. (laughs) He scores at least one touchdown every game, it seems like. But we had a ball game all of a sudden. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thrilled. I mean, yeah, it, it truly, what was it, like a minute or two left before halftime, and it was 14-all? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Missouri came out kind of sleepwalking and then returned to that state later, but, uh, I mean, that first Georgia drive, and really the first half especially, it looked like there was no reason for Georgia to ever pass the ball in the entire game because Georgia was getting like five to, I mean, five to eight carry uh, yards of carry. Yeah. It was nobody was touching Sometimes the running 40. backs. Sometimes yeah. forty. It was it was awful, and I I don't really know what Missouri was expecting on defense out of the gate there, but um, they, they I think they kind of turned the corner uh, at one point, but it was probably a little bit too late at that point. Yeah, um, the defense still struggled in the second half, but um, I don't know. There was there was plenty of struggle to be had all around the the team for Missouri uh, right there at the end of the first half Georgia just when you think okay hey we're going into halftime tied potentially like before the blocked punt I was thinking um, you know 14-7 at halftime is no big deal mm-hmm. I would take that in a heartbeat and uh, then 14-14 now we're really talking but then Georgia just had to snatch all the momentum back and score in like three plays mm-hmm to go up 21 14 at halftime and, and then it, it just felt like well at it doesn't really matter what the offense does if Georgia's going to score pretty much whenever they want yeah that that last drive right before halftime it definitely felt like hey guys that was cute but we're yeah. gonna we're gonna take this thing over and like yeah uh, thanks it, for playing yeah nice try but we're we're just gonna take control of this thing and yes. they did that the uh, Georgia running game, they had three players with more than 10 carries, and the worst yards per carry among them was 5.3. Of course, their future NFL running back, Zamir White, had 12 carries for 126 yards. That's efficient. Yeah, and a touchdown. Uh, I'm seeing long runs of 43 yards, 47 yards. 18 16 amongst four different running backs for georgia there wasn't a whole lot to talk about in the first half there is nothing to talk about in the second half no Uh, missouri had the ball six times they punted five times and then the sixth one was the end of the game and they pulled starters by my count i think they had two first downs on offense in the second half yeah it was truly awful and even like Nick Bolton was nowhere to be found really in this game. It, it, it just, I don't know. I, I, the story of this team, I feel like this year has just been like, um, kind of fighting against all odds. Like whenever it seems like nobody's giving them a chance, they come back and, and pull off a win or, or come back in a game or just even a season long thing. Um, they just have been better than anyone thought they were going to be. Uh, this was the one game this this year that I, I'm not really sure it really fit that narrative very well. They just, you know, they did bounce back in the first half, but then they truly just were nowhere to be found um, in the entire second half, and they just didn't seem interested at all. Yeah, and I mean, Georgia's defense looked so fast all over the field all game. Yeah, it seemed like they were really trying to – Missouri's offense was really trying to go, you know, sideline to sideline and maybe – Spread them out a little bit. Yeah, it just didn't seem to really matter. No. And that might work against a, a lesser opponent, kind of wear them down over time. 
It did not work in this game. And it seemed like a few times Missouri actually had the edge against the first defender, but there was always two more, you know, meeting the guy at the line of scrimmage. They just could never get around the corner Mm -hmm. on very many plays at all. Um, George Pickens, uh, Georgia wide receiver, kind of uh, kept up the trend of wide receivers just catching everything against Missouri, even with tight and good coverage. Obviously, he caught uh, when he was open, and the coverage wasn't so good. He caught everything as well. But we saw that, like, from the, the Alabama game on, just seemed like good wide receivers are good. Yeah. And <laughs> the SEC has, yeah, you know, five or six guys, I think, that are easily NFL-type receivers. Well, I mean, what is it? Devonta Smith, is that his name? Yeah. I mean, he's literally a Heisman candidate. Right. Yeah, he's potentially a, a favorite. In some has a wide mind. receiver ever won the Heisman? I don't think they have. I don't, um, I don't think a well, wide receiver has ever won the Heisman. I think uh, maybe uh, who was the Desmond Howard? He played is that the Michigan guy. Yeah, I think he played both sides mm-hmm. to some extent, but maybe he was a, a defensive back more than a wide receiver. Three wide receivers have won the Heisman. Oh, wow! And Most recently, ninety-one. Wow, Desmond Howard. There mm. we go. That was a great job. Thanks. <laughs> Um. Anyways, yeah. I mean, Pickens was great. Uh, JT Daniels was good. I mean, Georgia's just really well-rounded, and they haven't been very impressive at all at, at all times this year. Um, they've seen vulnerable. Yeah. They have ha- gone through offensive struggles, but it seems like they are really figuring it out at the yeah. right time. And you know, if they if they really took the four best teams in the country right now, I Georgia might be in there. Yeah, I think so. With what they've figured out with Daniels at quarterback, that and the fact that they don't need him to do a whole lot, and yeah. he he just it works. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention um, during that stretch where Missouri looked like they had something going on, they were getting after him. Yeah, uh, they were rushing the the quarterback quite well for a stretch there. Yeah, they were blitzing really hard. Yeah. They were sending everybody yeah. um, for a little while there, and that that really did kind of seem to throw him for a loop. Um, and you know Missouri was playing. They were down some guys that, with Adam Sparks opting out and Jarvis Ware injured. You know we're really pretty thin at cornerback. And Ennis Rakestraw has, I don't know how if he's missed many snaps this year. He's he's played every game all game long. And uh, Ishmael Burdine has got in there quite a bit. Um, he's played all, he played a lot of snaps in this game, but it's probably not ideal. Yeah, but that's that's what you got to do in a season like this. Uh, speaking of the pass rush, Tradon Jeffcoat got a sack, and he now is tied for the lead in the SEC on the season with six sacks. And uh, Martez Manuel got another one. He's been in the backfield making plays pretty much all season. I would have to honestly say Martez Manuel is probably the most pleasant surprise of this whole season as far as an individual player goes. I mean, he's he's like all SEC type player yeah. this year and i'm not even sure i knew he was going to be a starter before the season started so well i think the same thing could be said for jeff coat i mean not being uh a factor at all obviously and then just kind of doing yeah. his job really well i don't even know how much of an off season he really had with yeah. missouri i can't remember at what point he re- he rejoined the team but um he has a chance to be really good next year mm-hmm. if with a full off season with the team yeah uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else worth talking about in this game. It was a struggle. Yeah. And 
man, when they were, I think both of those huge runs came in the second half. When it, and the one of them, I don't think, um, what's his name? I don't think White was even touched on his long no, one. No, right? he, he wasn't. Like fifty yards, and man, Georgia's got a lot of good players. I think you're exactly right, though, that if you're looking at top four or five teams in the country right now based on how they're playing and i'd love to see florida and georgia play again yeah like like this weekend i don't know who would win to be honest well there was a little bit of talk about georgia and texas a&m playing oh really uh, because georgia was looking for an opponent i think georgia would win that game i really do yeah i do too we've thought uh, texas a&m was fraudulent all season a little bit <laughs> yeah. uh not as fraudulent as mississippi state was you like that segue? I love it. Uh, after they beat LSU to uh, open the season, LSU. Speaking of fraudulent, LSU was ranked sixth in the country week one, and uh, Mississippi State, after beating them in week two, was ranked sixteenth. Wow! And now Mississippi State. Hey, LSU is about to come full circle. They just beat Florida. They're going to end up at six by the end of the by the end of the season. Six. Uh. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, maybe like 46 yeah could they could they sneak into the top 25 it's very possible we'll see that's a that's a big brand right there yeah which i think i i don't know if i said this on the podcast or privately um i had a theory that missouri getting that number 25 next to their name while i do think it was deserved i wonder how much that had to do with uh espn and sec network wanting to be able to say they had a top 25 matchup at 11 o'clock in the morning I I thought that myself. I don't think we even talked about it, but yeah. I can 100% agree. Yeah, that it, that was may have been a ratings thing. That may have been. Yeah, I don't know. ESPN's got a lot of control in the whole uh, in just how college football plays out over the course of the season. They they basically are the college football playoff, and they're going to arrange things accordingly to benefit themselves. So. Yeah, I don't even know that that's a, that's much of a conspiracy theory. Right. That's just yeah. uh, that probably happened. That's pretty transparent. Yep. Uh, back to Mississippi State though. First year with Mike Leach. We've talked about them a lot this year. We really have. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I wish I should know more about the team than I do based on how much we've talked about them. But uh, they're two and seven. They beat obviously LSU to start the season. Then they lost their next four games to Arkansas, Kentucky, Texas A&M, and Alabama. They came back with a win against Vanderbilt, but then they have lost their last three to Georgia, Ole Miss, and Auburn. So a little bit of an up-and-down year, mostly down for Mike Leach, and it's what you expect out of a Mike Leach coach team. They throw the ball a bazillion times. Mm -hmm. They actually had a quarterback change, so uh, I don't remember the guy's name that started the season. I think it's like T.J. Costello. Mm -hmm. Sounds Uh, right. He started the season at quarterback, broke the SEC single-game passing record, like 600 passing yards against LSU. LSU secondary is terrible. And then and he's no longer the starting quarterback. He played, I think, three and a half games and was benched. And they've got a new guy under center, and his name is Will. They call him Will the Turnpike Rogers, <laughs> And he's averaging 50 attempts per game over the past five games including 61 against Ole Miss well, hey when you're uh, when you're losing every game you gotta throw a lot right that's definitely just that's they definitely just a that. Mike that's yeah. a Mike Leach thing they would do that even if they were winning every game yeah um yeah he's completing 
he's playing much better than Costello did. He's completing 71% of his passes. Um, only seven touchdowns to six interceptions, but it's looking pretty good. Um, completion percentage-wise. I don't know. I don't know if any team... I don't know. I don't know if any team except a Mike Leach team wants to throw that much. And it doesn't even make sense to me when I look at the stats. Their leading rusher on the season has 127 rushing yards. <laughs> Larry Roundtree has had that many in two separate single games. Yeah. That I, I mean, it's like literally mind blowing. That why why wouldn't you try and establish something on the ground because it's just so obvious what you're gonna do every single play you think that creating such a one-dimensional attack would be so easy to prepare for and even if you're even if you have an excellent quarterback and wide receiver room you would still think you'd want to get something on the ground just to create some kind of misdirection or something yeah and especially when you're throwing the ball this much and only averaging 17 points per game yeah Watching they're going to come out and run for 300 yards against Missouri. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can confidently say that's not. I've kind, I I don't know. Maybe this is like a little bit irrational on my part, but I've kind of just been a Mike Leach doubter. I I I didn't. You know, there was a lot of talk about. You know, his his name was thrown out quite a bit whenever Missouri was looking for a coach. I, I really didn't. I don't. I didn't really want Mike Leach to come here. I I really don't care for the guy. He's he's funny. But he's just a little, I don't know. He's Basilac just, throwing the ball 50 times a game? That's, that sounds pretty fun. He's done that before, I think. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm just, I'm not real big on the guy. And, you know, he's he's been pretty successful at times. If, if, if he's got a good quarterback like Gardner Minshew, <laughs> they can be good. I, I think he will be successful at Mississippi State. I, he's been successful everywhere he's been. Um, it kind of feels like it's about time Mike Leach was in the SEC. Kind yeah. of, sometimes his his personality f- feels like it should it kind of fits. Yeah, honestly, he's got like a Dan Mullen type personality almost a little bit. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's well. He's not quite Dan Mullen. <laughs> yeah, Dan, Dan Mullen is a character. They're both characters. Maybe Mike Leach is a little bit more lovable. Yeah, I think yeah you're from the, right. from an outsider. Yeah. He's a little le- he's a little bit less of a jerk, I think, than Dan Mullen probably is. But they, I don't need. They I both don't know have e- their moments. I don't know either one of them uh, on a personal level. Yeah. So who really knows? But they they really both do have their moments. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State defense is allowing thirty points per game. Now this is in Starkville, but Missouri. I'm going to say only a one and a half point favorite, and that actually increased from uh, earlier today. It was one, and then it bumped up to 1.5 on the the spread i was looking at yeah i mean this this really could be interesting um i don't know what we're going to see missouri do on defense you know I, I, they kind of got away from blitzing as much as they were um at one point against georgia and you know i can't just work every single play you can't just blitz every play but um i don't know if we'll see that as much against mississippi state um I really think our secondary is going to be tested. And I think Tyree Gillespie is not playing in this game, if I remember correctly. And, you know, Ennis and, and Ishmael are both going to have to stay healthy because um, I don't even know who's going to come in if they're out. Maybe uh, uh, Jalen uh, Carlisle, maybe. but Which, actually, he's been playing pretty well, too, for a freshman. But it's, it's going to be – they're going to be tested. And I think that this there's probably going to be a lot of points scored in this game. So some of that misdirection is going to come from 
Mississippi State in the form of just throwing to their running back. Yeah. Um, his the starting running back is named Joquavius Marks, and he has he leads the team in receptions with fifty three. So, which honestly might be a reason why they don't blitz. Right. So Very I think often. that's going to be that's going to be just an intriguing matchup to see where he is on the field in any given play. I mean, if you want to find one guy to keep an eye on, watch where he is um, and see where, see who is lined up against him on the defensive side, because I don't know. I, I, and he, he's just a freshman. So if Mike Leach has figured out a way to kind of make him the focal point of the offense, uh, that being said, they, they spread the ball around plenty. I mean, they've got eight guys with at least 20 receptions on the season, and Marks has the most with 53. So it's not like you can just shut down one guy and they won't find another place to go with the ball. Mm-hmm. you know what the over-under is for this game? Mm-hmm. I don't either. I I'm sure we out. can find out. Yeah, I'm kind of... I'm just worried. I don't. Re- I don't want this to be a shootout. I don't. Over under is forty nine and a half. She actually seems low to me. Yeah, I think. I mean, you can't get over the. Fa- I can't get over the fact that Mississippi State's only scoring seventeen points per game on the season. Yeah, that's not very good. People figured them out. <laughs> so, but I don't know what changes. It, I don't know. I mean. I don't know how this offense looks any different and is incredibly more successful outside of just eventually getting a, an elite quarterback. Or, you know, if Rodgers can develop, he's still just a freshman. So I think this team's young, and that's part of why I think Mike Leach will be successful is because he is having some success on offense with these really young players that he can develop. Is this the game plan, like, after this year, though? I mean, has this been Mike Leach everywhere he's been is truly just passing 50-plus mm-hmm. times a game? Yeah. Yeah. And every stop, he has just – I mean, he has taken literal, like, basement-dwelling teams and had and turned them into 10-plus win teams in not a whole lot of time. I mean, he did it at Texas A&M was there for a long time and then he did it at Washington State literally won 10 games against uh, with Washington State after they were just a doormat in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. how are you feeling about this game oh I think Missouri absolutely should win um, seeing Georgia put up 50 points against them the week after Arkansas put up 50 points against them. Mm-hmm. It worries me, but honestly, the Arkansas game worries me much more than the Georgia game. Georgia has incredible athletes all over the field. Arkansas, not as much. Mississippi State, potentially even less so than Arkansas. Really, what I want to say is Missouri 35 to 24. And I hope it's not more of a shootout than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think Missouri should win this. I think I'd be disappointed if they didn't win, um, considering how the season's gone. 
um, it just it was really tough to. I, I'm I'm a little concerned after this Georgia game. Obviously, we know Georgia's a lot better than Missouri is. We know Georgia's probably a lot better than their national reputation is at this moment. Um, so it's a little bit hard to glean much from that game, other than it just looked like Missouri was disinterested for a lot of it. Um, so I, I hope that they feel like they are motivated and, and really feel like they have something to, to keep playing for in this game. Cause I, I think they probably will win, but I, man, I'm really concerned about the defense and I think that it probably will be high scoring. I think I'll say 42 to 38 Missouri wins a, a close one. I think one thing I remember thinking when I was watching the Georgia game and maybe they just realized they weren't going to win and wanted just to kind of keep it a little bit vanilla on offense, but I just, and I'm, I'm a little biased here, but I just, I think that they are better when they incorporate Tyler Beatty somehow in the offense. And yeah. like, it just seemed like they got a little one dimensional, a little stagnant. They were just kind of handing it off to Roundtree and like, that's a great thing. But I think both backs are better when, you know, they're both kind of, they're, they're being used differently and they're being used often. And I just don't, I don't know why you wouldn't just try and get some plays going for Tyler Beatty because when that happens good things always seem to happen just a change of pace maybe get him out in space somehow I, I just don't think I saw enough of that against Georgia yeah Tyler Beatty had zero carries yeah uh, and two receptions for zero yards so not that involved I do agree with you though that in definitely the entire fourth quarter I mean obviously they started bringing in backups but for a lot of that second half I think <laughs> And the way Drinkwitz was talking about after the game, like, this is why we have to recruit better. Um, you know, he was basically just saying, like, these guys are just better athletes. They're better players all around, every position. And I think that maybe did play a factor in how he was calling the game in the second half. But, yeah, I don't really – I don't know why you don't still just try to – make things happen and move the ball around but i definitely think we will see much more of that against mississippi state we're both predicting a win um missouri gonna go to a bowl game oh yeah good point uh yeah i i think that's great i know this is a weird year there's a lot of players opting out there's at this point there's like teams opting out just saying they're just straight up not gonna go to a bowl game they're not interested I, everybody's eligible i don't really know Nebraska. why you wouldn't i uh, i'm not behind the scenes at these places so i don't know what's going on but uh, well for a first year head coach like to be more successful than most people thought in your first season capping it off with a bowl game especially a win in a bowl game that's that's already kind of like greasing the wheels towards an extension and that sort of thing that's probably true there's all kinds of incentives for missouri to want to play and for coach to want to play but i mean if missouri takes care of business against mississippi state i mean we're looking at a pretty decent bowl game and you know uh we should be able to play a pretty decent opponent and that's that's exciting and hopefully getting to play somebody that maybe that maybe we don't get to play very often or 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 prove that I i saw projections uh to play according to ESPN to play Iowa mm-hmm. who we have played in a bowl game not mm-hmm. too terribly long ago that was and, a heartbreaker of a game too <laughs> and uh, Colorado was mm-hmm. another projection I saw that'd be interesting 
former uh, Big 12. I think so. earlier in the year, and I don't know who this prediction was from, but I saw uh, a prediction against Wisconsin, which I think we would beat Wisconsin if we played them right now. I don't think Wisconsin's very good, to be honest, and they seem to have a lot of offensive struggles. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's some pretty big brand names out there that I think Missouri could beat right now and would, would love to see them play against certain um, teams like that in a, in a bowl game. So, I don't know why why you wouldn't play a bowl game. You think Nick Bolton plays in a bowl game? I'd say yes. Mm. I I, do, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if he didn't. But he seems like the kind of guy that 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 wants to play, and I think he would. I'll say he mm. wouldn't, and I wouldn't blame him even one percent. Me either. Okay. Ready to talk about signing day? Biggest day of the year for college football. Um, this. What happens on signing day can make or break a team's next couple seasons. And uh, one awful recruiting class can doom a coach's career at a, at a school and can set you back five seasons. Yeah, it's especially apparent in football and at a place like Missouri where it's not like basketball where you can just have a bunch of freshmen play and be successful. and. Uh, in football, it just oftentimes takes players uh, longer to develop and be implemented into uh, the team and to and the physical aspect of it. It just sometimes takes guys a little bit of time to, to grow into where their their bodies will need to pl- be to play Division One football. And uh, so, yeah, sometimes it takes a while to see some of these guys out there on the field. But um, Missouri needs strong recruiting classes. You know, they need experienced older players to have those 2013 type seasons where um, they have a, a bunch of uh, experienced seniors um, on the field at one time. And a, a lot of times we, we, we will need that to compete for an SEC East championship. And right now we are, I don't know, that we've kind of had some suspect recruiting classes that are the backbone of our, of our program right now. Well, I think the story of Barry Odom's career as head coach was the misses. I mean, yeah, the in-state misses. That's that was the headline uh, for recruiting every year. Mm-hmm. It seemed like. Yeah. Um, Gary Pinkle had oh, more hits. His hit rate was just a little bit better on the big name in-state guys. And we'll never know if Barry Odom could have reached that point, but it was for too many misses to. Uh, justify according to the athletic department um coach drinkwitz not very many misses so far Mm. this is a really exciting class and um depending on who you look at rivals has it as the 20th best recruiting class in 2021 Uh, 24-7 sports has it at 26th that's right where missouri needs to be to be competitive or historically those are the types of classes that makes Missouri competitive in the East two or three years from now. Yeah, I think this class really addresses a couple of immediate needs too <clears throat> on the defense and the, the secondary and on the defensive line. I mean, uh, when you think about what we could have coming back next year on the defensive line, it's kind of scary. Uh, I do think that we're going to have some seniors come back. I think that uh, Markel Utzi and Kobe Whiteside, I, I think maybe even Chris Turner, some of those guys – I think may return. I don't know which ones. I'll take any of them. But we will gladly take any yeah seniors coming back for another year because I, I still think, like as I said earlier, we're, we're going to need 
a little bit of uh, of a grace period to yes. get these guys acclimated. Acclimated. We have a couple of like JUCO guys coming in, but some of these, even these highly rated freshmen, it's just there's an adjustment period. I'll take a couple of grad transfers while we're at it. Yeah, we need some people with some D1 experience. Yeah, especially offense and defensive line. It's just crazy to think that like what was Barry Odom thinking they were gonna do? Um, you know, it just didn't seem like they were really looking beyond. Uh, this season with some of those positions you know they were not you know at the time he was at Missouri they didn't know that COVID was going to happen they didn't know that a lot of these players are going to have another year of eligibility I have no idea what they were thinking they were going to do on the defensive line if they were even going to have enough players to to field a defensive line like it was it's kind of crazy to think that they that coach Drinkwitz needed to go out and sign like seven defensive linemen in this class and that they still might be looking for another one yeah, I, there's no no explanation readily <laughs> available for that one. Um, I was looking through the names here, and uh, I don't know how you want to do this, if you want to just spotlight a few or run down the whole list. But um, at the top of the list, as far as their rating, I'm going to compare Rivals and 24-7. Uh, Rivals has Tyler Macon, Travion Ford, Dalen Carnell, Kyron Montgomery, and Dominic Lovett, all as four-star players um, in that order. So they've got Tyler Macon as the highest rated in the class. Uh, 24-7 has Travion Ford, Tyler Macon. Actually has Travion Ford as the only four-star player. And obviously then the highest rated of the class. So obviously the line between three and four-star, you know, right at the edge mm-hmm. is very thin. And um, we've seen Missouri focus on kind of that. That's been their bread and butter. Those kind of fringe four-star guys that are getting overlooked by some of the bigger schools and some that aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but A lot less of that this year. It seems like we've actually yeah. competed for some, some guys that were, that were hot out there on the, on the market. But, um, yeah, I think there was one or a couple of recruits in particular that really stood out as far as a discrepancy among the recruiting services in this class. Like, I think Connor Tolleson was was maybe the one I'm thinking of where he's like a four star on one of them and like a low three star on on rivals or something. Yeah, uh, Connor Tolleson in the bottom third of the class according to rivals. He's like number sixteen in the state or something overall. Right, but f- according to twenty four seven, fifth in the state and number four in the class from Missouri. Yeah, that's really odd. Do you want to read off the? Like defensive lineman commitments because there's all there's a there's a lot of them. I can definitely do that. Defensive line, we have Mackie Wingo, Realist George, Shamar Pearl, Travion Ford, Jonathan Jones, Daniel Robledo, Kyron Montgomery, Arden Walker. That's it. I think and Shamar Shamar Pearl has not signed yet, but. Hopefully that'll happen uh, soon. But I think that this is probably the position group I'm most excited about just because of the the need for these guys to, to come in and, and produce. And we get, I love the, the kind of combination of some, you know, JUCO guys, some uh, – they're basically either a JUCO guy or a highly rated freshman, and that's, that's pretty exciting. And some of these guys have just a massive opportunity to start as a freshman, which – does not happen very often so depending on who comes back you know i think travian ford and 
Um, probably Kyron Montgomery, both, you know, are freshmen that, that will have a lot of playing time for sure, especially. We've talked a lot about Travion Ford just because he's, you know, one of the bigger name recruits um, that Missouri's had in a while. Uh, I th- one thing that I thought was interesting when I was kind of reading through some of the interviews and stuff that he was giving right after signing day or on signing day, he said that the coaching staff had been talking to him about playing a similar role as Trajan Jeffcoat has been playing this season, um, sort of like a stand-up edge rusher. And that sounds so good. Yeah, that sounds nice. <laughs> How about the uh, signing day commitment that we got yesterday from uh, Arden Walker? Oh, yeah. That was that was a crazy one. I mean, that's a guy that you know we've kind of been following for a long time and just never really could get a read on him. And, you know, he's from Colorado, so obviously Colorado seemed – to uh, have a pretty good shot with him there, one of his final three. And I mean, anytime you've got guys out on the West Coast, you know, it's just not really like a, a, a recruiting area you think about Missouri hitting very hard very often. Um, so it just never really felt like this guy was coming to Missouri. Um, but I saw Mecky Wingo r- like really recruiting this guy hard on Twitter. And Twitter's so great how it's like public like that. I mean, I, I, I can't believe this website's free. I always think of that whenever I'm seeing like these recruits like talking to each other and stuff. It's just really entertaining. But um, I think Mecky Wingo ha- deserves a lot of credit for uh, Mr. Uh, Mister Walker coming to uh, coming to Mizzou. But um, yeah, that was that was exciting. We had no idea where he was going like as of yesterday morning or as of signing day morning. Was, uh, was he the story of um, – was he the one that – Coach Drakewins wasn't able to get a hold of him on the phone because he fell asleep. Yeah. And then, yeah, that was a funny story. If you haven't heard, uh, Drink thought that he was not coming to Missouri, potentially, because he was supposed to call him um, Tuesday night and gave him a ring, and he didn't answer. And the defensive coaches had to be like, no, we feel good about him. Like, I think think we'll be okay. But Drinkwitz said he was pretty pessimistic. And then he found out that – uh, Walker. Walker's mom failed to wake him up because he had fallen asleep after a tough workout <laughs> from like basketball season, and uh, he ended up coming to, to Missouri anyway. Yeah, that's a funny story. I like hearing about that kind of stuff, but um, yeah, that I mean, I'll, we'll take everybody we can get on the D line at this point, and I, I would still expect that they may hit the transfer market. Uh, for potentially somebody in the secondary uh, and maybe another defensive lineman. I would, depending on, again, who we were able to get back again for another uh, second senior year, uh, I would probably like to see an offensive lineman transfer of some kind maybe too just to keep bolstering that, the offensive line. Um, the position group that uh, obviously the defensive line class with that many names and yeah uh, that was kind of a that was kind of an easy yeah that's the go-to but i want to kind of spotlight the defensive backs um obviously another area of need although we haven't seen it this season or last season we've had you know excellent uh defensive secondary play i think um compared to what we thought we might be seeing a couple years ago when we looked at who was on the roster and how it was shaping out um but we can see this trend, you know, of these kind of taller um, defensive backs, and I love it. I mean, when you're talking about the SEC with the the size of the receivers that are, you know, NFL caliber, you need some length out there to go along with the speed in order to match up with them. And I want to specifically mention Zaquan Reeves, 
out of Florida, 6'3", um, defensive back. And uh, obviously we had previously talked about Davion Sistrunk, um, another guy out of Florida, 6'2". Um, both, I think, pretty raw. Um, they're going to be coached up quite a bit, but that's what, I mean, that's what we expect in football every year. Um, Dalen Carnell, one of the higher-ranked players in this class, uh, he, and, and then I want to give a little shout-out to maybe like a diamond in the rough, a uh, kid from St. Louis, Tyler Hibbler. I think potentially watch out for him, not anytime soon, but I think he can develop into uh, a safety that can just make plays all over the field. Yeah, uh, in, in his Hard high school, guy. yeah, in his high school film, he was doing everything. He played offense, defense, special teams, like barely got him off the field at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that as well. And honestly, Sistrunk might be one of the just the better pure athletes in the whole class. He's just apparently an incredible basketball player and hasn't really been playing football for all that long. Yeah, I think only two years is what I saw. Yeah, so he may not, you know, be one of those guys that comes in and and uh, contributes right away or anything. But I think Dalen Carnell is kind of the opposite and a guy that could come in and maybe, you know, get some playing time early on. So all all kinds of players in in the defensive back and in the in that room, and I I kind of like that they take a chance on some on some maybe a little bit higher risk players, but. The, incredibly high ceiling potentially and that that's exciting so if you had to pick a position group here that just based on this class or kind of how missouri's roster sits that is cause for concern and um even though we're happy with the players that we got in that position there's just going to need some more bodies or something's got to give in order to feel comfortable there yeah um it's tough to know what they're going to do with all the defensive linemen, but I'm not really sure we have very many like linebacker um, commits in this class, and obviously we're going to lose Nick Bolton. Um, I'm, I don't know that I'm really concerned about any class but or any uh, position, but that that and probably wide receiver are probably the two that come to mind. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at the completed class, getting Dominic Lovett to flip from that's Arizona huge. State, like that's the only wide receiver that I think Missouri was even in on at this yeah. point. I mean, there was maybe a backup option that they didn't end up pulling the trigger on, but I don't I don't want to live in a world where Love It doesn't flip. I agree. And it really makes you wonder if Coach Drink knows something that we don't about the current roster. Uh, maybe... Uh, I hope he does. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe a Hazleton, maybe a Chisholm, maybe both. I'll take it. Coming back for another senior year, um, maybe that, that might just be wishful thinking because um, I'm not sure they even were planning to take any wide receivers a few weeks ago. I don't, I don't know when the Love It thing became a reality for them, but... I have I, to imagine there was some lower-ranked guy maybe waiting in the wings. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there has to be somebody. I mean, that, that's a position where you have a ton of guys, and it's yep. not very often that you just don't take any wide receivers in a class. Right. Uh, I would have to look at the offensive line, even though Connor Tolleson, um, I think he is legitimately the fifth best, you know, around the fifth best player in this class, and I think he will be really good. Um, that's another position group where you just need bodies all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's been really up and down lately for Missouri. They had a group of offensive linemen that were incredible, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a couple of them have been in the NFL and then they had a returning group that should have been excellent and just wasn't two years ago. 
and this year's been kind of a patchwork deal with COVID and injuries and everything. So that's one that worries me, even though I think Talisman will be really good. Another situation where uh, getting my Yeti back for another uh, senior season, that would be huge. And another spot where you take grad transfers or yeah, you know whatever you can get. It'll be interesting to see what happens next year with uh, Hyron White coming back because I think that he plays the position that Larry Borum had to fill in for and ended up being incredible. I think that's right tackle, um, but which is normally where Hyron plays. So and he missed the whole season with a shoulder injury or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do next year with. Um, I guess that's a good problem to have is a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a log jam but yeah we need to figure it out I mean I'm, I'm just ready to have like obviously no injuries but have an offensive line that's just kind of set in stone again and you know who's going to be there 80 percent of the snaps yeah. um top 20 class that's exciting <laughs> and um, I, I I mean I want to get too ahead of myself here but man I really think 2022 could be even better as far as like ratings go so uh yeah speaking of 2022 and twitter uh, as you were alluding to earlier there's been some some talk about a certain wide receiver from the state of missouri who has verbally committed to oklahoma but there's been a lot of pressure as of late from some guys that we're talking about on this list of 2021 guys that uh have been reaching out to one luther um burden <laughs> help me out yeah uh and that would be obviously that's like pie in the sky right dreaming i would just say that sometimes recruiting is a momentum thing and you know coach drinkwitz is a great recruiter he's proven that but sometimes the most appealing thing to a guy is just all hey everybody from this area is going to you know Mm -hmm. is going to mizzou mizzou's going to mizzou is the trendy thing to do right now and we can't say that's been that way in a while um, but a lot of his friends, a lot of uh, people he goes against in high school, um, some of the top guys in the area that he probably respects, um, a lot of those guys are, are going to Mizzou right now. And uh, that has to be pretty appealing. And as I famously like to say, there's a very long way to go in his recruitment, and I would not give up whatsoever on, on Luther Burden. One thing that helps is the fact that wide receiver is one of the few positions in college football where – you can just come in as a freshman. You don't even need to be that highly ranked or rated. Um, you can come in as a freshman and dominate yeah. or at least contribute day one, um, much more so, in my opinion, than a lot of the other positions. Agree. Well, that's all the football talk. I'm glad we had signing day to uh, make up for that disaster of a game against Georgia. I love signing day. I don't know what it is about it. It's like... I pretty much know exactly what's going to happen here, mm. but it just somehow feels like Christmas morning. I don't know. It's just seeing all the all the you know the tweets come in of guys signing and um, making it official. The chatter amongst the players yeah. is is fun to watch, too. especially in a class like this where a lot of guys are from Missouri and they seem to all be pr- pretty tight. And I don't know. There was just a there's just a lot of good vibes going on on the um, on the Mizzou interwebs yesterday. Yeah, I'm seeing six. One, two, three, four, five, six guys from the state of Missouri, as well as two more from East St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know, four or five years from now, when we're kind of reviewing uh, this class, you know, I, I think some of those guys from Missouri will 
you know, I hopefully that we'll look back and, and think that those were kind of the staples of this class and, and key contributors at their time at Mizzou. Yeah, uh, you just put a nice bow on it, but I can't leave it at that as much as I'd like to. Uh, I do want to mention B.J. Harris, Todd Butts, two running back commits. Uh, that's the future of the position right there. Yeah, B.J. Harris has not signed either, but the feeling is that he will eventually. Still another signing day in February. Right. So That's still weird to it me. It is weird. Uh, and then I want to mention Gavin McKay and Ryan Horsecamp, two tight ends, both six four two thirty just exactly what you want at that position. yeah I, i'm glad you brought that up because i mean tight end is is a position that can be very tricky to play early on because of just the the things that you're expected to do i mean you gotta block you gotta you gotta go out and be a receiver at the same time but and there there's becoming more and more like specialization among tight yeah, ends true uh, I would say both those guys have a massive opportunity to play immediately, just considering what we have in the tight end room right now. So we've got some some good players, but uh, I think both of those guys can are probably as talented or more talented than anybody we've got in the room. Yeah, it's been it hasn't been that long since Alberto was one of the best tight ends in the country, mm-hmm. and I already miss somebody that can just consistently be a threat. Yeah, I mean, I just think that's a big part of Drinkwitz's offense, and it's just kind of not really there. It's just not a – we don't really have a receiving threat right, right now. We've got potentially the best blocking tight end in the country in Daniel Parker <laughs> Jr., um, but if we could – you know, if he had – and I think he has some of the receiving skills, but um, I just think the speed and the route running is not quite there. But yeah, he, he makes up for it in blocking, absolutely. Remember, was it the Georgia game when I texted you guys? Like, I think they had the ball at the goal line, and they had some kind of failed oh, yeah, yeah. failed <laughs> attempt to get in the end zone. And I, te- I literally sent the text, like, why don't they just – they were in the shotgun yeah. at the goal line, and I was like, this is making sense. Just run I formation, put Daniel Parker Jr. as the fullback, and punch this thing in. Yeah. And, like, literally as I hit send, I see him lining up like, exactly like that. And I, <laughs> That's they, exactly they got what in. They did. Yeah. yeah, when they had it down at the one-yard line. They should line. do that every single time they need to get a yard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you would do anything yeah, different. Yeah, let's see more of that on fourth down uh, or third and one, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, before we finish up signing day, I actually was thinking of uh, one kind of, like, sleeper in this class that I – I uh, think could be really good that I haven't heard a whole lot of buzz on and that is uh, Zachary Lovett and he's going to p- probably play linebacker defensive end but um, I love his film I think he's you love it I there you go Do love it wow, wow in this class crazy um, I, I do love it and because he is really athletic he's super fast he's a very sure tackler um, I, I think he's kind of a guy that gets a little bit buried in this class um, just as far as recognition goes because he's an out-of-state guy and there's just a lot of defensive linemen in the, in the class but i think he's got a, a shot to be really good mark that one down we'll return to that later uh we pretty much mentioned everybody in the class <laughs> jonathan jones uh, another defensive lineman well i guess i ran through all of those earlier um darius jackson i think was the only defensive back i didn't mention Who's our two linebacking uh, linebacker commits? Remind uh, me. Love it, and then Damian Wilson. Oh, okay, Damian. Okay, that's the one I wasn't thinking of. And the only pr- other person we should talk about is Tyler Macon, the quarterback. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting story to follow um, over the next few years. It, is it's uh, another one that's just kind of weird to talk about because we've been talking about him for so long. Yeah, how is he going to fit into the rotation, and uh, is he going to play much? And uh, will he win the starting job? I mean, there's so many question marks with Macon, and 
I mean, he's going to enroll early and, and get to work, though. Yeah. Bazelak will have four seasons of eligibility left and also a full season under his belt. Yeah. That's, you, don't, you don't get that every day. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, the reality is of, of making situation is, you know, two years from now, you know, he might be the starter. He might not be at Missouri. You yeah. know, there's just like the range of outcomes for him is just anything. I mean, with the way he and Bazelak line up, in their actual uh, the, obviously they're not in the same class you know they're two, separated by two years but um, even if he even if making red shirts next year I don't know just the timeline doesn't make sense for him to spend four seasons at Missouri if he's not the starter um, and I don't know how you pivot away from Basilek at this point although um, we were talking about before we started recording the fact that Sean Robinson was the starter out of camp this season is kind of a head scratcher looking at where we are now and if there's something about Bazelak where he just doesn't show it in practice or something maybe Tyler Macon can outperform him in camp and mm-hmm. we'll be kind of in the same position we are we were at the beginning of this season next year yeah I definitely think uh, Tyler Macon might have the advantage in like arm strength. He can just absolutely throw bombs down the field. You know, he had a very impressive, uh, very impressive film, and a lot of those touchdowns are going to Dominic Lovett. So if you haven't seen Tyler Macon's film, you need to go check it out because he's it's impressive. But they they are a little bit different players, and uh, I don't know. And you mentioned Sean Robinson. We talked about this before we started recording. But an interesting note on Sean Robinson was you know he was available for this game, but when Bazelak left the game with an injury, Brady Cook came in. So Sean Robinson not only started the season as the uh, as the number one string quarterback, he is not even the second string now. So and he's playing on special teams and he's all over the place, but not playing quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> but good teammate. Oh yeah. But uh, hopefully, I, I I want him to get a, a shot uh, starting at quarterback somewhere else yeah. honestly yeah I, I think he's better than what we than what was represented by his play earlier this season yeah. he didn't get a lot of, of chances and I think he's better than what he showed yeah but you can't you can't waste time when you have uh, right. a decent option ready to yeah go. when Bazelak came in and, and was good immediately you gotta just keep riding him basically all right it's basketball time nope I <laughs> every week i'm ready to talk basketball and we have to pick some games i i'm losing bad huh oh yeah it's down bad (laughs) it's another bad week what did i do wrong this time you picked nebraska oh classic what was minnesota like a 10 point underdog yes yeah which i I don't think kyle's like give me that all day yeah it's ridiculous that they were a 10 point underdog i don't get it i don't Anyway, I'm smarter than Vegas. What can I say? <laughs> Kyle got five points. Cameron got three. It is fifty-six to fifty. Okay. Okay. So if Kyle doesn't show up to podcast next week, <laughs> well, I'm gonna be taking some risks this week. So let's hear it. All right, if you say so. <laughs> All right. Um, first game is number five, Texas A&M at Tennessee. Texas A&M is a fourteen-point favorite. Give me Tennessee. <laughs> oh, We're making moves. Gosh. We're making moves. All right. This is a fun week for me. I'll take A&M. <laughs> uh, A&M 
A&M's fraud. <laughs> that upset of all things, okay. Yeah, all we're right. starting off hot. I don't know what else I have. So. Ole Miss at LSU. Ole Miss is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. LSU, all day. Ole Miss is favored, really? Wow. They're good. You should pick them. I need, I, I need those points. I'm sorry. Points. I got to take LSU. <laughs> That's just too easy. Um, the SEC championship game, number one, Alabama against number seven, Florida. Florida dropping yeah. one spot in the Oh, that's absurd. Playoff it's ridiculous. Alabama is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. They're I mean, playing in New Orleans. I mean, I was going to say, I, I think Alabama wins by three or four touchdowns, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah. Dang. I got to take Alabama. If Florida would have handled their business against LSU, I would have maybe picked them. I'd like to see this year's Alabama play last year's LSU. That'd be a really good game. Yeah, it would. Is that it? Almost. Okay. Uh, N- Nebraska? Nebraska oh, yeah. at Rutgers. Nebraska is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Let's hear it, Rutgers Kyle. coach is um, Greg Schiano. Yeah. Either they dipped back into that after he led them to good seasons. He got the he got a a raw deal over there at Tennessee. He's probably a better coach than what's his face. You think mm-hmm. uh, what's his face is getting fired? What's Surely Tennessee coach? Surely not. Jeremy Pruitt. You, you think he's going to make it through to another year? I think so. Okay. But I've said that about everybody that's been fired. So I say give them all another year. But <laughs> do you think there's incentive for Auburn to fire Gus Malzahn because there's ideally less programs with openings potentially that kind of makes sense i hadn't thought about that but if you're going to go poach somebody from you know some up up and coming coach you got less competition yeah at the higher level exactly yeah kind of makes sense uh i heard they were going after the oregon coach and yeah i think i just saw before we started recording that uh oregon coach got a massive extension they locked him down Mm mm-hmm there's a there's a lot of drama over at Auburn. I honestly like I don't know if I'd want to be a coach there. Maybe you would because you if you get fired you get paid twenty million. But yeah. uh, that's yeah, insane I, to fire a coach that beat Nick Saban twice. Yeah, he's like yeah, and they might just hire one of the assistants or something. They Surely might just, not. There's no way that would be that would be insane. It would be insane. There's no way that happens. That would be perfectly Auburn if they did. Okay, uh, what was the game, Nebraska versus Rutgers? Yeah. And who's a favorite? Nebraska. Okay, I'll pick Nebraska. Okay, I'll take Rutgers. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, we're making moves. Mm. Can I change? Can I'm I, just picking the winners. That's can all I, I'm doing. Can I change uh, my answers? Mm-hmm. I want, um, I want Texas A&M and Ole Miss. So Who's Texas A&M playing? Tennessee. Oh, okay, I was like, I'm leaving Tennessee. Behind. I like. I understand being out yeah. there, but that was a little. That was a little out there. And you took LSU. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and grab Ole Miss. Okay. Well, this will be very interesting to see where we stand a week from today. Yeah. What's the best I could do? You can gain three points. Okay, and then we'll have the final forward pick. Something. Oh, yeah, some more games. We could pick bowl games. Yeah. That's like a while from now, though. Who's doing the... I'm also super ready to stop picking games, but other than that, <laughs> let's keep it going. Other than that. Other than the fact that I'm miserable. Yeah. Now can we talk about basketball? Yes. All right. 
Let me find my basketball notes. What a game. Missouri beat number six, Illinois. They moved to 5-0 and on the season. Hopped up into the AP poll at number 16 this past week. Still below Illinois, but you know how that works. Um, where to begin? What I mean, one of the biggest wins in a long time. Yeah. Since I'm, probably 2013, maybe? It's, this is the highest that Missouri's been in the polls since 2014. I'm trying to think, when did they beat number five, Florida? I think that was 13. 12-13 Thir- uh, season, I think. Hmm. Wow. That's That, that was, was a long time ago. Brent Kaith, yeah. Yeah. There were some bad seasons in between then and now. Memory's a little foggy. Yeah. <laughs> some of those dark years. Yeah, a lot of stuff we wanted to forget, but yeah. I don't think we're going to want to forget this season. Yeah. Um, let's just get it out of the way at the beginning. The ref, the referees in this game, the officiating was horrendous. Oh my gosh! And any Illinois fans listening, or if you're listening, and you have Illinois fan friends. The call against Kofi Coburn, the flagrant one call. If that was reversed, I would be furious. I would now, be furious. Now at the call, <clears throat> what it resulted in in the game, I don't think was the game-changing call that some Illinois fans are making it out to be, um, but there's no way I would have agreed with that call if it were the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a terrible call, but honestly, one thing I haven't really seen anybody mention is just that probably a heads up play by Mitch Smith because he just knew this is how the game's being called. These refs cannot resist like calling a flaker. He likes taking those offensive fouls anyway, man. He's just been uh, huge and doing those, getting those offensive fouls or I don't just kind of those non scoring type plays that don't really show up in the box score. Um, just doing things to help Mizzou win, and it, it was a huge play in the game. And they, if they if they don't get the call there, Kofi uh, Coburn just easily scores a bucket. And well, they, they counted just, the points. Yeah, and they just move on with the yeah. game. Yeah, Missouri gets the ball, and maybe they score, maybe they don't. But you were just you know giving Missouri two free throws and the ball. Mm-hmm. So did it. I mean, I was happy to have it happen in the moment, but. Man, that was just like kind of weak for the sure. cherry on top of just an abysmally officiated game. The, the refs couldn't decide what was an offensive foul and what wasn't uh, all there game are long. So many offensive fouls, and just in the game in general. I, I mean, you'll you don't get me going on this, but I mean, there's just way too many offensive fouls in the game right now, yeah. and it's unwatchable at times, and it's awful. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, like the two calls late in the game both for and against Missouri with Drew Smith and uh, Dasunmu, it makes no sense. Yeah, Drew Smith arguably in better position when it was called a block than he was when it was called a charge. If anything, it's identical. I mean, you have to call those the same way, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And there was... Like, both teams were in the double bonus, like, yeah. in both halves. Yes. Like, well before the end of yeah. the half. Uh Tillman and Mark Smith both fouled out. Illinois finished the game with five guys, six players with four fouls. So uh, this would have been it would have been chaos if this game went to overtime. First of all, I would have died. I was praying. And no I would have had a heart attack and died if that happened. But I mean, who knows? I think actually Missouri comes out better in that situation because there's a decent chance three players foul out for 
Illinois in two minutes of overtime. It's true, but Illinois had all the momentum. Absolutely. Like at the end of the game, and I just wanted it to end. Yeah. Um, Missouri had the momentum for three quarters of this game. They looked awesome, um, forcing turnovers, scoring at the rim, getting to the free throw line, just exactly what we expect from Missouri to win a game, except maybe hitting threes, but after last season we're used to them not scoring from deep honestly at this point i think where missouri's been so much better is they've realized like okay we're just not going to be that great at the three and we don't need to shoot 33s in a game like we did sometimes last year and i really the 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 difference maker in this season so far comparatively to last season is just shooting at a higher percentage from two they're still shooting poorly from three and but they're winning and they're being a lot last year they shot poorly in both they're playing with more tempo they're they're taking advantage of transition buckets and they're they're scoring from a higher efficiency from two-point range and that's making a massive difference yeah uh yeah they shot 63 percent from two yeah um and illinois they're one of the best teams in the country at doing exactly that and they also they shot 62 percent so they were right there with them i mean the shooting numbers in this game for both teams were identical except um free throw shooting um, Missouri shot 26 of 31 that's 84 yeah. percent that'll just by itself win you most games um, and by comparison Illinois 17 of 28 so they got to the line plenty but they really struggled um, down the stretch only too, shot 60 percent when it mattered yeah and some huge free throws from uh, Jeremiah Tillman in particular and uh, didn't have a huge impact on this game I think defensively you needed his body out there, you know, for all the 18 minutes he was able to give against Kofi Coburn. But um, two huge free throws to help kind of extend Missouri's lead before Illinois had a huge run. Um, it was it's hard to say. I mean, obviously, I was enjoying the game because Missouri was winning like every little two minute stretch for the vast majority of the game. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't that fun to watch because... So choppy. Yeah, the way it was being officiated and the fact that neither team could really score, uh, could really make three-pointers was just kind of just so many free throws. I've only watched the game once, obviously, and that was when it was live. Um, Like, Do you have any idea how Missouri was able to slow down Kofi Coburn so much? I mean, he's just a monster of a player. Yeah. And he just didn't really do much in this game. He was kind of inconsequential. I mean... I think that he did – I think if I'm an Illinois fan, I'm happy with his performance. Absolutely. I mean, he was one of the few things that I think was actually working for Illinois, especially down the stretch. Like when Illinois figured out what they needed to do to come back in this game, it was um, Dosunmu and um, Carbello getting to the rim, and they would either make a basket – dump it off to Kofi or miss and he would rebound it and most of the time the only way they were missing at the rim is if Missouri brought an extra defender over and usually it was the guy that was guarding Kofi Mm -hmm. and so he would be wide open to get the offensive rebound put back so I guess he still did scored 19 points yeah I mean you just don't really I don't know you you don't it's not that flashy I mean just the way he plays of just obviously the dunks are big but he just kind of cleans things up and yeah. finishes when he needs to. So I definitely don't think he was the problem. I think Missouri's 
Missouri has shown last year and so far this year that they can defend the three-point line like at an elite level and that helps I mean um, Illinois freshman um, Adam Miller he played 22 minutes he was in foul trouble but also he was 0 for 3 from 3 and that's his specialty he's mm-hmm. a lights out shooter yeah and he's shooting like over 50 percent yeah and a pretty decent volume and they shut him down i mean illinois wasn't even wanting to attempt threes because missouri was kind of just not letting them yeah um they ended up for the game illinois was three for 13 yeah yeah that was the difference maker uh one one more thing on on coburn uh they played they've played again since uh, they played missouri they, they played minnesota coburn had 33 points and 13 rebounds so that definitely shows you what kind of damage he can do in a single game and um you know in in this game against missouri io desumnu had what 36 points and brad underwood and and the postgame presser was like we can't win like that you know instead of like praising him for his incredible performance which it was incredible um he was not really happy that you know they didn't they didn't play team ball as well as they probably could have i saw some of that from illinois fans on twitter as well and i don't know that's that was getting you back into this game i mean I would look at it like that. Yeah, Yeah. I would argue that with the way this game was being officiated, you need to just tell your guards, get get to the rim and um, get to the ball first and then get to the rim. Yeah. And then uh, let Kofi clean it up or, you know, like exactly what they were doing during that stretch. Missouri couldn't stop it. Right. Once Illinois said, yeah, let's not. I mean, they kind of played a little bit of ISO with Desunmu and they just had Coburn kind of back there just to help out when needed mm-hmm. I, I said it last week on the on on the episode and obviously maybe this is <clears throat> kind of easy to assume what, what was going to happen but I, I said I was I was definitely concerned about um, Io's ability to get to the rim and I yeah. think if if there's any way you know Missouri loses or even potentially gets blown out in this game it's because they aren't able to stop Io and they they really weren't able to but they were just able to uh, just kind of squeak by just enough that's he bizarre to me that, it on. that that's the way it was framed post-game because he had 36 points on only 17, sorry, on 20 field goal attempts. Yeah, he was not happy. He said, we will not win like that. Got to the free throw line plenty. I mean, I think you're just – and he was one of three from three. He was, you know, one of three players to actually make a three-pointer. So I don't know about that. I man, imagine having to root for a Brad Underwood coach team. <laughs> imagine, yikes! <laughs> uh, I wouldn't want to do it. Uh, yeah, I don't either. Uh, uh, Andre- Somebody did have uh, six turnovers though, so maybe he was pointing to more of that. Yeah, uh, I don't. I'm not really looking forward to playing uh, Andre Curbelo another like three or four years or no. whatever it is. Holy be. cow! How is he that good as a freshman? Mm-hmm. Man, I was looking at his recruiting profile, just like seeing. Was he like a McDonald's All-American? Nope. He was top 100 guy, but, man, what a huge get for them. That's the kind of guy that absolutely, like you said, you don't want to see lining up against you for three more seasons. What happened to Trent Frazier? <clears throat> He's just kind of a bystander now. I mean, two, what was it, two or three years ago? I mean, he just destroyed us single-handedly. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of become just like this – off ball spot up shooter um 
yeah, I mean, this season, shooting 48% from three, 30% from two. Just so didn't seem like he really shot much in this game. On the season, he shot a little over twice as many threes as twos. Hmm. Not really getting to the free throw line. I don't know. Well, that's kind of what he did whenever they – the last time they beat us, pretty sure Fraser, he just went crazy with the three ball. That's just, yeah. I guess that's what he does. Right. Um, he had one big three when they were – he kind of sparked that run that Illinois went on late. Um, and I was honestly – I was terrified oh, <laughs> late too. in this game. I'm trying to think of, like, a few of the key plays there towards the end. Um, Mitchell uh, – Missouri was making their free throws. That was one yeah. huge part of it. That's probably the thing they do with the best out of yeah. anything. And they, that, honestly, is something that gives me a lot of confidence in, the, in their ability to close out games is just knowing they have guys that will go up and hit free throws late. Why can they hit free throws so well, but they can't just step back another, like, four feet and make a three-pointer? <laughs> yeah, it's all uh, when the NCAA uh, moved that line back. And Missouri really, really threw him for a loop. Yeah, Missouri specifically could not handle it. Uh, I, th- I still think we'll see Mark Smith have uh, uh, much better games the rest of the season than this one. I mean, Mark was, Smith has played terribly in like every Bragg and Rights game. Yeah, and he's the anti Javon Pickett. Javon Pickett. <laughs> if he, yeah, thank God for for if, Pickett. If he could play Illinois every single game, he would be all SEC. <laughs> so weird. And he gets up for these games. I was happy to see. We kind of com- commented on it last week. Uh, on the podcast but then it was obvious i mean everybody knows about his attitude for this game and i loved seeing you know the original memes um on game day just i don't know like i saw like javon pickett getting ready like it was everything was javon pickett against illinois is michael jordan yeah basically basically yeah and <laughs> i mean well think very about entertaining. it though okay mark smith obviously didn't have a great experience at illinois but he was playing and he was an important he played an important role on their team he was probably i think he was even a starter yeah uh, as a freshman yeah mm-hmm. and you know so he, he just he transferred but pickett was literally committed and basically was told you're not good enough and we're, we're going to recruit over you and i don't know exactly how that conversation went but that's what happened yeah they and were yeah they said they we got they better were the players reason coming in. he did a prep year and uh yeah then yeah so I, I mean honestly like it's just incredibly sweet to see him just play super well against them every single year mark smith 4-0 now and how many i wonder how many total points mark smith has against <laughs> illinois in those four years well well, well his best well, performance his best performance was against missouri exactly when they won his freshman year yeah so one, was that, was that, the, that was the last time they won obviously yeah but in the three years he's won with Mizzou, I honestly think he has, like, a combined point total of less than 10 points. <laughs> That's definitely possible. <laughs> um, Kobe Brown, I think, was the only Missouri player to hit multiple threes in this game. Yeah, Two for great, five. Great game. Uh, 12 points, eight rebounds. So far, to me, it looks like Kobe Brown is is on track to kind of take the next step. You know, we always kind of wonder what's going to happen in that sophomore year. If Are they going to have the sophomore slump, or are they going to take the next step? And to me, he so far, he looks like he's taking the next step the only thing he did that i didn't like was uh miss two free throws to ice the game at, that the, was at the very end a little bizarre let's talk about like the last three possessions of the game because um there was obviously a point with about 10 seconds left that illinois was down by three and um this was after the flagrant foul and missouri hitting some free throws and uh illinois crawling their way back into it off the back of just move basically single-handedly and he gets the ball with 10 seconds left and then tries to 
draw a foul from three-point range with still like six seconds left on the clock and i think what <clears throat> it was weird it was a weird shot it was it looked like yes he was trying to draw a foul he was like f- kind of fading into yeah. his shot it was like a running three a running shot yeah. yeah and they still had like a solid four or five seconds left when he shot it uh, maybe they just wanted to try to get the the putback or something well that wouldn't have even they needed three didn't they? yeah uh i think what what io said after the game was he heard coach Conzo martin yelling foul 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 mm. And so when, as soon as he heard Coach Martin yelling that, he was like, I better, I got to get in my shot motion yeah. and try and get fouled and shoot at the same time. That's the way it looked live, yeah. was that he thought they were going to foul and just was trying to make it a shooting foul in any way he could. Yeah, and so I don't know if that was the plan or not to actually foul, but whether it was or not, it sounded like I that influenced like, his decision. Conzo uh, Martin, Missouri teams have been in this situation before and they've chosen to not foul. Every single time, that so it may have been brilliant to yell foul, even though you didn't want them to foul. Now that's if that that's a big brain strategy. If, if that's, that truly happened, if they're in the huddle and they're saying, "Hey, we're not fouling here," but listen, I'm going to start yelling it so he'll freak out. That's big brain. That that's a big play. Uh, that's yeah. I don't know if I would come up with that as the coach in the huddle. Um, so obviously he missed this kind of wild running three pointer. Um, Missouri got the rebound. Uh, Kobe Brown got fouled, missed both free throws. So they actually did have Illinois had the ball with a chance to tie the game at the buzzer, but um, DeSumo didn't even get the shot off. It was still in his hands when the buzzer went off. And Missouri won their third bragging rights game in a row. It's a humongous win. Yeah, we talked about. I predicted last, this before yes. the season. Oh yeah, <laughs> I honestly wouldn't have remembered that, but I believe you. Um, you mean when we went through the whole schedule? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I definitely did not predict this. I also predicted a win against Tennessee, but and we might get, we'll, we'll, see, well, we'll we'll get there. I think, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, where was I? I don't know. Oh man, sorry. <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, big win. Big win. Well. Only jumped up to 38 in Kim Palm. Yeah, I I, th- I think they're that's obviously just because of the holdovers from last year's numbers. Yeah, there's still a lot of preseason rankings mm-hmm. uh, factoring in. I think we're looking <coughs> about um, probably two or three weeks. Those will all be flushed out of the analytics system, and uh, we'll be looking at only this season. And I think um, we'll see Missouri creep up in the in the ratings a little bit more. At this point, like I, I think that it's like a double buyer bust um, in the SEC tournament. That's you really want to be in that top four because you get a double buy in the tournament, and that is that's just so huge to to know that certain players or certain teams will play two games before you even have to play or yeah. step onto the court in consecutive days is huge. Yeah, they'll be playing their third game in three days. And I remember that was a thing in Conzo Martin's first season was that was something we were watching really closely was like, we got to get to that top four line and they weren't able to do it. Uh, But I I wholeheartedly think Missouri is capable and probably at this point should get to that top four line. I'd like to see it. Uh, Missouri was supposed to play Prairie View A&M Friday, tomorrow night. This tonight if you're listening to this tomorrow morning which friday morning which you probably will be um <laughs> prairie view a&m that was going to be maybe sort of a little bit of a relaxing tune-up game and that's how you lose well I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah 
honestly. I mean, we're literally one year removed from losing to a team that bad. Yeah. Yes. Worse even. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I just interrupted you probably before you even said the game is going to be. Say it. Canceled. It's canceled. It's canceled. Canceled. Cancel culture. It's canceled culture. The game. <laughs> it's got over. It. Yep, yeah. They got it. Another uh, victim. But uh, I guess. Yeah. It would have been nice to see Missouri just beat somebody by thirty points. But kind know, of a. I guess in the very. I guess it's good that we know Missouri will not lose to Prairie View A and M. Yeah, there's something there's in college basketball at least the way my weird brain likes to look at things. Seeing a team get to 20 wins on the season is just kind of something when you're looking back through the the um, what's it called? The record, their record at the end of the season. Oh, here he goes with the record. (laughs) When you're looking at the record books. And you see, you know, multiple 20-plus win seasons in a row. That's when you know the Missouri program, at least, has kind of... That's a mood. Yeah. They're, they're, they're on a roll, you could say. And if we, if we start losing these games, I mean, not losing them on the score, but losing the ability to win them because they aren't played, cancel, cancel culture comes for all of them. You're not going to be able to win 20 games if you don't play enough. So that worries me. But obviously, that there's much more important things in the course of the season. Somebody out there will be relating to that, I hope. I'm relating to it. Okay. I'm skeptical. <laughs> so instead, Missouri plays next Tuesday against Bradley. Mm-hmm. Bradley, of course, Missouri Valley. And <coughs> Bless you. <laughs> producer Jeez. Cameron just coughing up a storm over here. Can't, uh, can't fight it. Yeah. <laughs> Bradley ranked 119th in Kempom, 152nd on offense, 90th on defense. Yeah, I think I said this before the season started, but you know this will be kind of a sneaky, difficult game potentially. Um, I feel better about this game now than I did when we predicted it before the season. I think Bradley has been a little less impressive than I thought they might be, and Missouri has obviously been a much better than I think we probably thought they were going to be. Um, but, you know, sometimes those random midweek games against a, a team that's going to play as hard as they can and and, uh, and put pressure on defense, you just never know what, what it's going to look like. And Missouri had kind of one of those games against uh, Liberty where it was just like a little too close for comfort, even though they were probably the better team by far. Um, that'll be the case against Bradley. But I, I think Bradley can, you know, they can get hot from three. So you just never know. Yeah, I do think that, I mean, we're looking at kind of another slower-paced team, um, not quite to the level of Liberty, but still slower-paced. I think the metrics that we typically look at when we preview a team for Missouri, for Missouri under Conzo Martin is uh, teams that force turnovers, which Bradley does not do, uh, teams that crash the offensive glass, which Bradley does not do. Uh, that's one thing we didn't really mention in the Illinois game was just Missouri dominated the rebounding margin against one of the best rebounding teams in the Big Ten. So um, Bradley, not a big rebounding team. Um, I think Missouri will not have a problem there. Also, Bradley gives up a high percentage of three-pointers. So I thought we were due for like a not really a get-right game because you don't need a get-right game after you're undefeated and coming off a huge top-10 victory, but just I thought Missouri would be able to flex their muscles a little bit and maybe Tillman could provide more offensively 
uh, Mark Smith get a shot back going as we head into conference play against Prairie View A&M. Maybe there's still a chance for that against Bradley, but obviously this is not a a cupcake pushover um, expect to win by 15 type of game that uh, when you're playing against a 300 level team. Yeah, it definitely has the potential to be kind of an ugly, low-scoring game. Um, I agree with you, though. I'd, I'd like to see Mark Smith a rebound and and hit a few three-pointers, and um, hopefully Missouri can win this by 15 or 20 and just kind of leave no doubt. Yeah, as of right now, Ken Palm has it as a an 11-point Missouri victory. Um, that on Obviously, that seems about right. They've got all their the computers uh creating that number (laughs) but i don't know i think i could see missouri winning this one by 15 if they can get hot shooting um i think they'll kind of be able to push the pace a little bit and play their game and get bradley kind of out of sorts on defense so i look for missouri to push the pace and score i think they can get into the 80s again Mm-hmm. Uh, for the fourth time this season. Yeah, I'll, I'll predict a 17-point uh, victory with Xavier Pinson going for 20-plus. Mm. Yeah, he's kind of – he's been scoring. He's kind of good at basketball. Uh, he's been scoring okay, but uh, not the most efficient offense. He, I think he's just always going to have issues with turnovers. That's just something we're going to have to always deal with. And, you know, the, the thing that's different to me about this season so far is – even though he's turning the ball over, he just you just got to keep riding him, and and like he just has to stay in the game, and he's still playing like 30, 35 minutes mm-hmm. a game, no matter what happens out there, and I'm not sure that happened so much in the past, so um, that's definitely been, been been a good thing for for Penton. I, he's just he's just gonna we're gonna have to live with that. I think he's just gonna turn the ball over at a higher rate than most players, even against Bradley, yeah. who doesn't force turnovers. Um. Obviously, we'll preview this game next week, but just peeking ahead at Tennessee, I think they might be actually better than we predicted preseason. Um, they might. It's possible that Tennessee runs away with the SEC this season. Um, it's like the game of the season almost, potentially, yeah. like what, right off the bat. Is, it seems like we play Tennessee very like one of the first two conference games every season. Yeah. And it's usually a really big game. Yeah, that is kind of sets the tone for the rest of the year. Going to be a huge game, and we got it at home though. So we'll talk about that a lot more next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's it. Anything else we need to talk about? Mm. We talked about a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I was telling Emily, uh, we almost need to start doing two episodes a week <laughs> this <laughs> time of year when the sports are overlapping. Man, it seems like it was ages ago that they actually played Georgia yeah it kind of does yeah if you're still listening thank you for sticking around oh, and yeah. hopefully we kept it engaging for this whole three-hour episode <laughs> but uh all you'll right. have those timestamps. wow that's great you'll have them to use now that you're done with the episode i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah put outro for this part like horrible outro <laughs> um anyways okay we better wrap this thing up oh, before, we better. We, before we say something stupid uh, you can find this podcast um, and all of our other podcasts that we've ever made on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And K- producer Cameron's getting ready to say his line. Show me your shirt, Kyle. Show him your shirt. Show him shirt. 
You can get shirts and stickers on our little online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Little online shop, BigCartel.com. <laughs> um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week after two wins. I was going to say three wins.